It was very cult-like. Everyone there was, it was very scary. I mean, I didn't know what I was going into. And it was just a lot of people talking, higher-ups, uplines, speaking on about how they were making millions of dollars. You had those one or two families that said they hit the one million. And they were wearing these rings that said one million on them. They were kind of like school rings, but they, they were Primerica rings. Life is going great. Until one day, you're out of work. No matter how it happened, you need to find a new job. Pronto. The problem is, no one ever taught you how to navigate the ever-shifting and ever-changing wasteland of applying for a job in the modern market. I'm Rob Catlin, and here on Recruiting Hell, I help people get jobs. I'm on a mission to help educate 10,000 job seekers on the best ways to get hired in the modern job market. No matter your field, this show is designed to help you level up your job hunting game and escape the many circles of recruiting hell. Step into my studio and let's get you the hell out of here. This episode of Recruiting Hell is generously supported by our friends at CoinList, one of the fastest growing companies in the cryptocurrency space. CoinList is hiring. Visit www.coinlist.co slash jobs to apply. Tell them Rob sent you. Hello and welcome to Recruiting Hell. I'm your host, Rob Conlon. Today we get to talk about one of the biggest threats to the unemployed that's out there right now. MLMs, or Multi-Level Marketing Schemes. We touched on it very early in this show, way back in episode 11, which aired almost a year ago but I really wanted to dedicate some time to it here when I had the opportunity to find some experts who could talk about MLMs in depth. Now, before we start, I want to make a quick disclaimer to our listeners here. Normally, Recruiting Hell does not take a position on most issues. However, there are a few exceptions, and this is one of them. With how dangerous this type of job offering can be to vulnerable members of society, their families, and their finances, I, your humble host, and this brand and program take an exceptionally strong anti-MLM stance. Listen on and you'll find out why. Today we welcome some outstanding folks I've met on my podcast journey who did a deep dive into this topic with their own show. It's my pleasure to welcome Ioana Kekados and Aaron Carlson of Sip With Me, a Chicago-based podcast that's mixed, shaken, and stirred to perfection. Ioana and Aaron cover a variety of hard-hitting topics on their show and, of course, have a delicious drink recipe to share with you at the end of each one of their episodes. Now, late last year, these two interviewed and researched the anti-MLM movement, and I brought them here today to share their findings with you as to why you should beware these types of jobs and the predatory practices they use when on your job hunt. Ioana and Aaron, it's been way too long in coming. Welcome to the show, both of you. Thank you. Thank We're you. So We're very excited to be here. We love your podcast. Yeah. Oh, well, again, and I love yours too, which is just so much <laughs> fun. Again, we want to make sure that, you know, these crossovers, always a great time. Yep, yep exactly. So to start off, you know, let me put it out here to the two of you. For our listeners who may not know or might be completely new to what we're going to be talking about today, this type of basically scam job, what is an MLM and what makes it problematic for those seeking an mm -hmm. actual financial benefit? Yeah, so that's a great question, and I want to preface that by saying nobody should be afraid to ever ask that question if they don't know, because this is a very gray field, and a lot of people don't know, and that is 
purposeful in the eyes of the MLMs that run the industry. So as you beautifully mentioned, an MLM stands for a multi-level marketing company or scheme, and essentially it is a... It's a type of business, but really more so it is a distribution model, and that is characterized by what you would classify as independent, non-salaried company representatives or team members, um, coaches, you know, different MLMs use different types of lingo. And while on its face, an MLM is not necessarily illegal and maybe might not even seem wrong if you really can know and understand just a little bit about the field of MLMs and the industry, uh, you'll understand why it is actually fairly immoral and why a lot of people end up losing money when they join an MLM. And that is because an MLM is essentially structured as a pyramid. So we've all heard the term pyramid scheme. An MLM is not necessarily a pyramid scheme because pyramid schemes in the eyes of the law are legal, but an MLM rather is driven by sales, which can then move up the pyramid, um, whereas a pyramid scheme is more so motivated by the recruitment of individuals, and that's how people make money. Interesting. Iwana, what do you want to add? Yeah, so um, with MLMs in particular, um, they... You know, to kind of just give a statistic that I think is important, especially with looking at MLMs as a whole, um, according to the FTC, 99% of participants lose money um, when joining an MLM. So you'll typically see things um, like starter kits or um, ask you, asking you to pay a monthly membership to join. These are kind of our red flags uh, for people listening um, to really kind of take a step back and start to evaluate what this opportunity could look like. Um, and it's really scary because for a lot of us, a lot of MLMs are kind of woven into our lives. We don't even know um, that a lot of these businesses are MLMs, um, which has been interesting along our journey is uh, we have found that a lot of these MLMs we didn't even know were MLMs. Um, like for me, Avon was something yeah. that I grew up next to an Avon factory down the street. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of my yeah. mom's friends used Avon. It was recommended. I never thought of it as an MLM. Turns out it's one of the biggest <laughs> MLMs. Um, and so, yeah, just making sure to be aware and to know that if someone's reaching out to you with an opportunity and asking you to pay a certain amount per month for a job, most likely it's an MLM. Okay. So what you're telling me here is that like, even like Tupperware parties from like the fifties, this is the same kind of thing that's been in existence. And it's, it's partially, I think you said, you know, Aaron, that pyramid schemes, which are not MLMs recruit, to sort of fuel the pyramid, but also MLMs are mm-hmm. more more product based and sales based. So I guess where does the distinction lie, Ioana uh, and Aaron, of pyramid scheme? Because I, I seem to recall that a lot of these things, these particular scams, do have you know parties, if you will. Where does that mm-hmm. distinction lie? Yeah, so that's a good question. And again. This is where I mentioned that gray area that really kind of plagues this field. And that, I mean, we could talk about a whole different episode talking about the laws and lobbying and um, the different trade associations that support the MLM industry. Mm. But essentially the FTC, to give some background, 
There are very few laws that actually regulate this industry. And again, that is very purposeful. And there is a lot of money going into the government through lobbying doors that make sure that that stays so. Um, but essentially, the FTC, uh, the SEC, and actually the Postal Service and state governments are the ones who most heavily regulate the MLM industry. And the FTC uses a two-pronged test. And that really, the main thing you need to know is that if a company is using language around recruitment and around hiring people and getting paid per person that you bring on, that is a pyramid scheme. Okay. And MLM, though, is going to be focused around the sales of the product or service. So take Beachbody, for example, which is one that a lot of people know about. And actually, Beachbody just be went public uh, at the end of June. They're now traded. What? Yes, they're now a publicly traded company. Um, but they are an MLM. They run by recruiting people and having them get people to sell. So essentially, you know, if I am part of Beachbody and I have three people that join my team, I'm going to make a commission off of what they sell. I'm not going to make a commission, though, based off the fact that they joined Beachbody. That is the distinction oh, between an MLM and a okay. scheme. That's okay. That's a really clear distinction. Then, of course, it's selling the product versus bringing people like almost into a church, if yeah. you will. <laughs> I don't mean to demonize yeah. religion there or anything like that, but uh, inviting people to the party, if, if yeah. you will. Okay. Now that's something that brings on kind of something else that I think with the structure that can kind of maybe continue to make people think of you know pyramid scheme and things like that. But again, when we talk about MLMs, I've heard these terms uplines, downlines. What are these? And how do they fit into MLM functions? Do you want to take it away? Yeah. So an upline is essentially, um, to put it into basic terms, the person who's really bringing you in to the MLM. Um, so it's the distributor who really introduced you to the business. If you get messages on Instagram, which is typically where MLMs really target people, that would be your outline, the per upline, excuse me, the person who messages you. Typically it's, hey girl, you know, join the MLM, or not join the MLM, join my business. Um, I think you could be really successful. That person is your upline and you are considered their downline. So any person um, who re oh. who registered to the company under you. So let's say I'm Aaron's upline. I introduce Aaron into an MLM. Um, he is therefore my downline. Um, and then you continue to do that, right? So once you as an upline bring in four downlines, um, then your downlines become uplines to other people. Um, and so it's just a vicious cycle uh, where you continue to recruit more and more people. Um, and that kind of hierarchy continues throughout the system. Interesting. So there, if, if you really look at it, there is one person at the top of each of these MLMs who is the ultimate upline right. and everybody else is their downline. And I, I'm assuming that in this case, I take it money flows uphill. How does that work? So typically you make a percentage off of what they sell. Um, and so it's interesting because I think that's something that people really miss when joining MLMs um, is that, you know, they're, they're pitched this idea that they'll make a lot of money. You know, they'll be that person at the top. But a lot of the time, these people have been in the business, um, and not to say the business, uh, but truly they've been in it for over 10 years. I mean, they've been in it for a very mm -hmm. long time. Um, and so 
most people, as we know with that stat, 99% of people lose money. Most people don't make it to the top. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if you have anything to kind of go off of that, Aaron. I have some some numbers from an AARP study. Um, and this is kind of funny because when we were gathering our statistics, again, this kind of demonstrates how gray of an area and how good the industry is at keeping people away from the actual data and the actual numbers. So while the uh, FTC study stated that 99% of people don't make money, um, AARP was a little more generous with that. They stated that a quarter of people make a profit. Within that group, though, um, you have 14% of people making less than $5,000, 6% making between five dollars and $10,000, 3% making between 10 and 25,000, 3% making 25,000 or more, and then kind of like capitalism gone wrong where everything just kind of, you know, stratifies toward the extreme. You have 0.05% of that group making $100,000 or more, which is what you do see in a lot of the bigger MLMs. You'll have those those influencers and almost those people that are made to be celebrities. They're the ones that are you know, out pushing out content and videos and marketing material saying, look at me, like, I started this from my home, I was a mom while I was doing this, and, you know, through just a few messages and selling some stuff, now I make all this money and you can do it too. Um, But really, if you, you know, get to the heart of it, that is just completely deceiving and not actually accurate of what someone's um, probability of making a profit and sustainable income would be from the business. So those numbers you went over, Aaron, um, if I recall correctly, one of them was uh, was a $25,000 a year number. And that was for mm-hmm. how, what percentage of people participating? 3%. 3%. And that's, if we, yeah. if we suss that out over, you know, a 2,000 hour year, that's 12 bucks an hour. That's... Yeah. That's awful, and everybody else is making less than yeah. that. There's only like 2% of people yes. in MLM that are making more than that. And that's, I think, one of the biggest mathematical reasons why folks who are seeking jobs should avoid that. Because that's – I live in a low-cost living city here in Milwaukee, and that is not a livable wage here. It really isn't. Yeah. Uh, 12 bucks an hour, it, that just doesn't hack it. And when 97% of the people aren't even making that, that's a tremendous red flag as to it being a bad idea for somebody to look at. Excellent data, my friend. Thank you for bringing, bringing the big guns on data. That's fantastic. Now, I know from our conversation in, in setting this up, each of you kind of has an MLM story, and maybe they stem from not quite knowing what an MLM was when you were younger, things like that, because you know, I know there's, there's a bunch that I, of companies that I had that revelation with. And, you know, Ioana, I'm going to let you go first on this because the one, the story you told me in our pre-call was kind of wild and a pretty incredible example about how insidious an MLM can be because it's not always the, oh, hey, it's this fabulous lipstick or eyeshadow or Tupperware or whatever it might be. There are some, some MLMs that seem a little bit more businessy, which is really interesting. And Aaron, feel free to interject when needed because I know your role in this story is kind of uh, intriguing as well. So (laughs) you want to take it away. Yeah. So um, I started dating someone almost four years ago, I think. Um, And we had kind of touched on the conversation of what, what do you do? You know, do you work? Are you in school? At the time I had just graduated undergrad. um, And so he was not in school. He, I think he was 20 at the time. And 
really kind of avoided having that conversation with me and just kept saying, you know, I make people's dreams come true. And trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, I kind of ignored that and was Hmm. like, okay, you know, maybe he takes his job really seriously. He feels really inspired. You know, I'm not going to judge him just from that statement, which I should have. And he kept referring to things like financial freedom, um, would say things like, Banks are awful. I don't know why you have a checking or savings account. You know, he would just throw various statements at me that I didn't agree with, uh, but I didn't want to kind of push that person because I cared about that person at the time. Sure, yeah. So, yeah, it was it was an interesting beginning. And, and now looking at it, you know, as a 26-year-old, I that was a clear red flag. So if anyone's listening, if someone pitches you, you know, financial freedom or, um, you know, you can join the business or – I make people's dreams come true, you know, just take a a step back and and kind of reevaluate that stance. But, you know, I, me and that person started to continue to date and um, slowly he started to kind of open up more and more about what he did. Okay. I come to find out that he was selling life insurance and I didn't really know much about it. I have a background in broadcast journalism and I was a dance major. Um, I had no idea anything about the financial world. I didn't even really know anything about life insurance. Um, so I had a very strong opinion about life insurance and I, I said that and you know, we started to get into some arguments, but at the time I still didn't even know that he worked for an MLM. So a few months in, uh, he starts mentioning uh, Primerica, which is a financial MLM. Uh, They sell life insurance. And so I come to find out that he was working for Primerica. And so he said he had his own business. That was kind of the initial thing. It was like, oh, I'm in finance. I have my own business. Um, And then he started getting, you know, working really late hours. Like we're talking 10, 11 p.m. going to people's houses, selling life insurance. And I thought that was a little weird. Yeah. Yeah, he would just go like missing at 10 p.m. And he's like, oh, I'm at someone's house, like trying to get them to buy life insurance. And I was like, as someone who hates sales, to be honest, I was like, well, this sounds awful. Like you're just bombarding people in their homes, trying to sell them pretty awful life insurance, if I if I may say. And it just didn't feel right. So but I, you know, I was in a relationship with this person and I wanted to, again, give them the benefit of the doubt and say, okay. You know, maybe it's not that bad. And so I actually started to go into the office and kind of saw other employees. Um, and I didn't really understand the dynamic because I was constantly being told that they were having um, new, like, learning classes or just, like, training was the constant thing. Oh, I'm training. I'm learning more. And the training was, you know, just PowerPoint slides put together by someone higher up in the company. And they really just tried to recruit anyone. It was pretty sad. Um, I was while I was there. They recruited two people. One had just gotten out of prison, and did not even finish high school. Had a goal to go back to school. They told him, "Hey, don't go to school. Like, just come work for us. You'll make millions of dollars." You know, pitch this idea. And then the second person was a mom of four, and this really broke my heart. Her husband was in jail, and she was the sole provider for her kids. Whoa. And they got her into the company. She really believed that she was going to be successful and start a business that would provide for her children. Hey listeners, we're going to take a quick break here for some of the business side of running a podcast. These sponsors not only believe in this show, but they may have a product, service, or even an open position that can help you end your job hunt. 
Give them a listen and drop by their websites in thanks for their help in supporting this show and your work search. Hey folks, it's Rob. A lot of times on this show, we talk about the power of networking to find a job. Well, networking is exactly how we wound up partnering with our newest sponsor, CoinList. So you're asking yourself right now, Rob, what is CoinList? Well, CoinList is a San Francisco and New York City-based technology company that provides investors with access to the most cutting-edge investment opportunities in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space. On CoinList, investors can access the best new crypto tokens before they list on other crypto exchanges, and it pays to be early in crypto. Now, right now, they have two special offers for listeners of Recruiting Hell. The first, as a Recruiting Hell listener, you'll earn $10 of Bitcoin when you create an account and trade at least $100 worth of assets on the CoinList trading platform. That's right, you heard me, free Bitcoin. Just visit www.coinlist.co slash recruiting hell to get started. The second is something that could end your time in recruiting hell altogether. Coinlist is hiring. You heard me right, Coinlist could be your next great opportunity for work. Excited about cryptocurrency? Got a passion for technology? Find Coinlist's open positions today at coinlist.co slash jobs. That's coinlist.co slash jobs. And when you do, be sure to tell them Rob sent you. We're back. A big thank you to our sponsors for their offerings, as well as you for considering them. On with the show. And it was really, it was really disappointing to, to watch them continue to recruit people that were vulnerable. Um, so fast forward, you know, the relationship was very rocky, uh, prime primarily because of this MLM. So hmm. I started to dig a little deeper. I talked to Aaron about it. I was like, I don't know what this is. I come to find out it's an MLM. I had no idea what that was. And then I realized I, I didn't want anything to do with it. So I started to be vocal about that. I'm Greek and I'm very opinionated and I stand by my opinion. And, you know, I let him know that I was, um, I did not agree with the 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 company the the fact that they attacked vulnerable people i just didn't want to be involved in it and at that point he actually tried to recruit me into the company and so i was basically like one minute away <laughs> from signing my life away to primerica um i refused to give him my social security number and that kind of set him off and he freaked out and you know went on a rant about how you don't trust primerica or trust me um, and then went on to try to recruit Aaron, which I made a point to say, please do not recruit my friends and family. They do not agree with this, and I don't want them to be involved. Um, so that continued. He went on to try to get certified in his in his S S seven S six. I forget what it is. Series mm -hmm. six and various um, other certifications. And so I actually ended up going to a Primerica event. It was very cult-like. Everyone there was, it was very scary. I mean, I didn't know what I was going into. And it was just a lot of people talking, higher ups, uplines, speaking on about how they were making millions of dollars. You had those one or two families that said they hit the one million and they were wearing these rings that said one million on them. They were kind of like school rings, but they, they were Primerica rings. Uh, and everyone was taking, you know, vigorous notes, trying to learn from these people. And the only thing I kept hearing at this particular convention was banks are bad. 
take the money you make at Primerica or wherever else you have another income coming in and invest back into Primerica because they want to continue to feed their stock and continue to do well financially. So it was like this this weird, again, cult that was just having people take all their money, invest it back into the company. And so that that was kind of his mindset. He told me to never put money into a checking account, that I was crazy to do that. Banks are awful. And I just kept saying, I love Chase. I love banks. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I refused to invest. And so that relationship ended, thankfully. Um, and that's really what sparked my, my passion for um, the anti-MLM movement because I really had no idea really what an MLM was until I was so in it. And I'm so thankful that I had a friend like Aaron who literally came down, flew down to Florida, picked me up, had to deal with this environment. Poor guy was even recruited (laughs) and (laughs) drove me back home or else I really believe I would still be stuck there. I owe Aaron my life. I really mean that. Wow. Not to get sentimental, but <laughs> that is that is just a, a wild story. And then Aaron, I want to get your perspective on this in just just a moment here, but just to unpack a little bit of that insanity, Ioana. The thing that broke my heart there in your statements was the guy coming out of prison and the mom of four who is yeah. a single mother. And yeah. that's a, a stance that we take exceptionally strong positions on on this show yes. as well. You know, I've done done shows about folks who are battling ages and battling uh, finding a job with a disability. Um, that, sh- that actually episode just aired the very same day that we're recording this. You know, these these vulnerable populations, MLMs are are like vultures to these, these folks, and it's just really yep. an yes. unfortunate thing. Yeah. So it's good to hear that, it's good to hear from you that there is a, you had an eye on that and going, wow, this is really wrong. And that that's that's outstanding. Yeah. So, Aaron, I definitely want to get a little bit more of your feedback as you you walk, you f- jump on an airplane, and you fly down to to Florida, I think it was, and yeah. you yes, you obviously get a car, rental car from the airport, you drive to this convention center, I'm assuming, and you're here on a mission to rescue your friend. What? Where do we go from there? Yeah. So it it is pretty much what it sounds like. So. One, I have debilitating anxiety of flying. Yeah, so that was bad already for me. But then um, Ioana and her uh, Primerica partner um, picked me up from the airport. And then before before we actually even went, like, to his house to, like, you know, get her stuff, like, make sure her car was all packed up, um, we went on this, like drive around the city like going to a couple like chores that he needed to do and like it it was just it was the craziest thing rob i, I swear hard. and then we we go to his house and like his family was being like really like rude to me and like talking about primerica and it was it was really just like we when we drove away into the the florida sunset Coming we back happy. to the north, it was it was something from a movie. It really yeah. it really was. No, Aaron really saved me. Wow! And what it sounds like is it, it sounds like you yeah. all stumbled upon a nest of people that were in this this MLM, and it had kind of consumed them a little bit. It's very interesting. Wow! So we've seen again people get overtaken by this, be exceptionally pushy, sacrifice relations for this. I guess Aaron, I, the the next 
story I think is, is worth hearing for our, our audience here is for you to finish this statement, you know, a famous YouTuber walks into my college gym. Yeah. <laughs> so in graduate school, when I was getting my MBA, I worked mm-hmm. for university recreation. Um, so they kind of do personal training, fitness, you know, uh, nutrition stuff, all that kind of things. I was working for that department at the university and I specifically was overseeing our fitness classes and personal training. And um, I was at a pretty rural university in Illinois. So I guess our stock of people that are certified and trained to teach classes is pretty limited. You kind of take what you can get and you teach mm-hmm. and train students to teach classes and that kind of stuff. And, you, you know, you make do. You don't offer what you might get in the heart of Manhattan in terms of fitness. Sure. But you have something to offer to the community. So uh, a year in, after I got back from Florida and was, you know, just kept my head down, was working, this very famous uh, YouTuber kind of slash, this was a couple years ago now, so like social media influencers were kind Mm. of new. Like I don't think TikTok was really around yet, Um, but she was really big on YouTube and Instagram. She literally, like physically, this is not like a figurative statement, this is a literal statement, walked into the uh, university gym and like asked to speak with someone about a job. And so I get called on the walkie like, hey, there's someone here that wants to talk about teaching classes. And I was like, oh, like that's great. Like we always need people. So I, <laughs> I walk up front and it's this like gorgeous, tan, blonde, fit super bubbly like like you know has that like sure i don't know like influencer celebrity kind of like energy about them like where you're like whoa like where did you come from like you literally just came down out of the sky um and she's like they didn't give many details no backstory or anything but was just like oh yeah like my husband and i just moved here and i you know i teach fitness classes like are you guys hiring and i was like yeah sure like here like i'll send you an email this week we can set up a time to have you audition and so she gave me a business card and then i went and searched and she had a huge like following and was Hmm. really well known and like all this stuff had her own like fitness brand like you know all this crazy stuff and so my initial reaction was oh this is awesome like this is what this program needs like this program is underfunded you know, we are in desperate need of like some life, some energy. This person will be great. Like they have a following, they're bubbly, like they're going to bring everything that we need to this like kind of rural, underfunded public university. Like it's perfect. So I was really excited. But then knowing what I knew about, because I had studied business in undergrad and I had some MLM exposure mm-hmm. um, through education and through Iwana's experience, um, Based off of my like deep dive on her social media, I realized, oh, she is like really big in Beachbody. Like she was the type of upline in the company where she was going on like, you know, the Mexican cruises and the the trip to the resort in the Bahamas with the other top one percenters and she had like all these pictures and videos with Sean T who's like Mm -hmm. this huge 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 person in that field and I was like oh like number one I, I like this is cool but where is she coming from 
And number two, why is she here at this (laughs) random university in the middle of nowhere asking to teach one class a week for, you know, $11 a class to college students? And I don't know how long it took me to realize or if I realized right away, but I realized she's not here to teach fitness classes and to deliver a good service to the community members. She's here to recruit students to join Beachbody, to be members of her team, to boost her numbers. So you see, listeners, we've just started to scratch the surface of what MLMs are. And from what we've seen so far, they seem to be two things, dishonest and manipulative. We'll be back next week with more from Ioana and Aaron as we continue this conversation and find out exactly how Aaron handled his situation at his college gym with an MLMer. As we draw this episode to a close, remember, you are worth more than your work. Your value to society is not dictated by what you do to pay your bills. Job hunting is difficult, no matter your age, gender, location, or background, and it's both acceptable and to your benefit to seek every bit of help in conquering this challenge. For more from Recruiting Hell, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player or our YouTube channel, and don't forget to leave a review of the show if your podcast platform allows it. It's tremendously helpful. Connect with Rob via LinkedIn, Be sure to visit recruiting-hell.com to subscribe to our newsletter. And of course, follow the show all across social media. Just look for the orange and blue flame logo. Recruiting Hell is a production of Westport Studios and is proudly made in Wisconsin. Lastly, be sure to visit and support our sponsors. They make it possible to do this show and make it better every single week. Remember, your job hunt is a marathon, not a sprint. And Recruiting Hell will be here to help you keep pace. Thanks for listening. Hey folks, it's Rob. Are you looking for a new opportunity in an up-and-coming industry that can help you get out of recruiting hell? Coinlist, one of the fastest-growing companies in the cryptocurrency space, is hiring. That's right, they not only support this show because they believe in it, but they believe that there's great talent to be found in this audience. Generous comp, great flexibility, incredible benefits, a strong culture, and a powerhouse team sound like a fit for you? Head to www.coinlist.co slash jobs and apply today. That's www.coinlist.co slash jobs. And be sure to let them know that you found them here on Recruiting Hell.